Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the First Things First podcast. Uh, Every week on the podcast, we have amazing, exciting, interesting guests who sit down with me, and we just have a conversation about about life, about faith, about uh, about living in a small town, you know, and, uh, and so Nancy Haney is our guest today. She's amazing, interesting, fascinating. Uh, she's also very nervous. So she's, <laughs> she's nodding her head. So she's very nervous. This is a little bit out of her comfort zone, but we're sure grateful, uh, that, that Nancy has decided to do this. Nancy's been a member of our church for a long time. She definitely predates me. So, uh, so, but, uh, but, but Nancy, why don't you just introduce yourself to everybody? Like, you know, I know most of the people, who are listening probably know you a little bit, but but just give us uh, give us the general rundown. What what are, what are those the basic facts about Nancy? Okay, I was um, born in Fort Worth, Texas. All right, my parents were at seminary, uh-huh. planning to be missionaries in Africa. Okay, all right. They already had their assignment. They knew where they wow. were going. Yeah, and so it was a big deal. And um, but we. Dad wanted to finish school. He had gone into the Marines. It was during the Korean War at that right. point. So he was back in Smyre, Texas, mm-hmm. and he had just finished. So he was teaching and um, finishing, getting everything ready. He was a, a ag teacher at that point. Yeah. So that was, I had one older sister, and I had a little sister, a third sister born while we lived in Smyre. And then about nine years later, had a fourth sister born. Okay. All so right. all girls, my dad always said, God looked down and said he was man enough for the family. Right. So he had all girls. And he ended up, uh, we moved to Roswell, New Mexico. He taught, he, I got to go back. He They didn't go to the mission field because my dad had an ulcer, bleeding ulcer. Oh, no. And um, they said, at that point, he had surgery, and everything looked fine. They said, well, give it a year, because we don't want to send you to Nigeria and have this right. yeah. come up. So yeah. he um, a, he moved. we moved to Roswell. He went to start teaching at New Mexico Military Institute. Mm-hmm. And within that 12-month period, he had a very severe bleed and almost died. Wow. But that was God saying, nope, this yeah. is not what I want, because he never had another one. After wow. that, wow! So it was very definitely they were where they were supposed to be. My mom was a piano teacher. Uh-huh. She taught. Um, she later became a school teacher, but music was a big deal in our lives. My mom was a, what I call a real musician. Yeah, you know, I could play the piano. I was a technician. Right. She um, at one point, while she was in college, the guy who uh, recorded all of Buddy Holly stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. In Clovis. Asked my mom to come be the keyboardist for his recording oh, studio. Sweet. Yeah, and yeah. she really. But so everywhere we ever lived, my mom um, played the piano or the organ. We always sit on the first row. <laughs> now I sit at the back. I think it's like I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that good Christian family were very involved in church. My grandparents were very involved in church. My great grandparents, my. So it's, you know, a legacy, legacy yeah, of, yeah. of Christian. And and I just knew all about God from as early as I can remember. So at five, I made a profession of faith. Uh-huh. And and that's just kind of my, that's an introduction. I'm married. Yeah. Ed, we've been married for t- too long. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than I ever thought maybe we might be. Yeah. We have two Gorgeous kids, yeah. Um, AJ and his wife Haley, and their two girls. Uh-huh. So we have two granddaughters. Awesome. And then Tamara lives in Dallas, yeah. and teaches. And AJ is an IT nerd. Yeah, I love so that. Yeah, that's that's our family. That's we moved to Shallow Water when Tamara was one year old. Okay. So we've been here. 36 years. Wow. And have you been at the church that whole time? You've been here yes. for Shallow Water. Yes, we've whole time? been. At, wow. We joined the church and have been through ups and downs and ins and outs with the church, but have always felt strongly 
This is where God wants us. So this is where we stayed. Yeah, man, that's so good. I, there's a lot that I, I, I want to say that I'm going to remember what your dad said about being man enough for the whole family because, you know, I have two girls. So, yeah. so I, I never thought of that. So, but I'm going to definitely make sure that I remember that. So, uh, but, um, so yeah, so 36 years in, in shallow water. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at this church for most for almost all that time, so that's awesome. That's yeah, man, yeah, that's good. You know that I think because I'm a kid who I moved around a lot. You know, so when when I was, uh, you know, when I was probably oh third grade, we moved to Brownwood, Texas, and then we were there until I was like a sophomore in high school, and we moved to Dumas, Texas. So, you know, and then before my third grade year, we had moved a couple of times. You know, so I, I kind of you know I. I, I really love to hear stories about people who lived in one place for a really long time, you know, and raise their kids. Cause as an adult too, it's been like that. Like I moved, you know, this, um, when we moved to Plainview, we lived in Plainview for nine years, maybe eight or nine years, something like that. No, it couldn't have been that long. It's it about seven years, but that was the longest that Amy and I as a married couple had ever lived in one place. Wow. And so, so we, you know, so we don't have these stories of like, you know, you know, 36 years in one place. And, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of folks don't. And so I think that's really beautiful when you, when you have that, you know, when you've been in one place for a long time and do the ups and downs and everything, like you said, that's good. Really good. So, okay, so you, so you mentioned a little bit about how when you were five, you mm-hmm. made a profession of faith. So uh, be, talk a little bit about that. Like, wh- what did that look like? What, what kind of precipitated that? And, and, you know, talk. what do you remember about it? Because that really is the, just the start of the story. Yeah. Let me start off because it's really important in the story. I taught myself how to read when I was about three. Oh, okay. Awesome. So there was a lot of intelligence sure. in there. Yeah. I think I've lost most of it. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but anyway, so so at five, I could just almost teach the Sunday school lesson when the teacher would get up, you know. Yes. Moses, right. Noah. Uh-huh. I knew it and, right. and remembered it. And so we had a the church was having a revival as Baptist churches in small West Texas towns did. Mm-hmm. My mother played, so we were there for every service. Right, right. And um it was a real hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher. Yeah, yeah. Scared me to death. <laughs> One of the first days of the revival, and I can't remember, my older sister, who was two years older, so she was seven, made a profession of faith. Uh-huh. She walked the aisle, but, you know, for us, that was she stepped out, and the preacher was right there. Yeah. Because we were right there. So yeah. there wasn't any Looks long... like, yeah, yeah, it was row one. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't any long, scary walk or uh-huh. anything. yeah. And I remember watching her and thinking, hmm, I need to do that. And so the next night, I did. Yeah. And, and of course, I was just five, and so everybody was concerned that, oh, that's too young. Yeah, right. And so I, my parents talked to me, the pastor talked to me, and they decided that I knew exactly what I was talking about. Mother later said, well, we ask you, why do you want to do this? And I said... She said, because I, I don't remember it at all. Right. She said, I said, um, well, if you, you, we were in a car wreck going home from church tonight, and you and Daddy and Patty would all go to heaven, and I'd go to hell, and yeah. I don't want to do that. Right, yeah. And so that was my reasoning, and they thought, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Really, I think intellectually... I knew exactly what I was talking about. And I bet you, if we could go back and hear that sermon, yeah. that pastor probably said those exact words. Yeah, he used that illustration. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I remembered it. So he scared me. Yeah. And that's really what it was all about at that mm-hmm. point. I really didn't become a Christian at that moment. I think later... As I as as I grew up in the church and going to the church, every time there was a revival, every time we'd go to we went to Glorietta every summer to Foreign Missions Week, I'd always rededicate my life because I just knew yeah. that something was missing. Right, right. But I, but I would tell myself, but I know I'm a Christian. Yes. I was right. baptized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the summer before I was a freshman in high school. Uh-huh. I began to have these horrible dreams. Yeah. I mean, I would wake up at night 
sweating and scary and just knowing that, man, I'm going to go to hell. I just know I'm not going to heaven. And then I'd tell myself, no, 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 you're a Christian. And I really couldn't figure out why I didn't have assurance. Yes. So the next for a year, I had those dreams for a year. So the next summer, we were at youth camp. Uh And one of the bands from another church, Christian bands, you know, that was in the day when all the churches and the had youth choirs and they did musicals. Uh And so they did this musical about Jesus on the cross. It was Uh one of the songs. Yeah. And God just reached down and grabbed me and yeah i knew immediately quit fighting and said "Mm, i've never really accepted christ as my savior cried and cried and it still is emotional yeah and i accepted christ that night and it was just like peace right yeah never had another one of those dreams wow it was my intelligence fighting my heart yes i think it's what all that was about yeah. My heart knew that God didn't live in it. Yeah. But my brain kept saying, oh, no, you did this. Yeah, yeah. You're too smart. You did this. Yeah. I really think sometimes being really smart, I was valedictorian, uh-huh. really was a hindrance to my faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, because there's a, you know, there's a, there's, we have a tendency to rely on our strengths, whatever our strengths are. So. Yeah. So, you know, different people are gifted in different ways, you know, but whatever our strengths are, we kind of depend on those and we kind of look to those for the answers in our lives and, um, and, and instead of on, on Christ. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, I think that's a story that a lot of folks would tell maybe with different things, but, but I I definitely, definitely hear you on that. And I, and I want to point out too, because you're really making a distinction here between like intellectual ascent. So like you knew in your in your mind, right? You knew about Jesus. You knew mm-hmm. about his death on the cross. You knew about salvation. You knew that you were a sinner, that you needed grace. You know, you knew that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like you knew all of the Sunday school stuff. Yeah, I did. And so, uh, and you, uh, and when you were five, you know, the Holy Spirit was working on you. And, and you, uh, at that point, you, you made a decision that was the most that you could do at that point, which was to say, I know I need this, you know, uh, but, but you hadn't, you weren't yet capable of surrendering your whole life of understanding even what that meant to give your whole life to God, which which is what being a Christian is about. And that, that's something that kind of came later for you. And that's so many people have that same story. So many people that I talked to, and then you think back on when you when you made that decision and when you were baptized as a child and you're like, well, what? Well, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing or whatever else. But I want to stop and say, no, 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 the Holy Spirit was doing something then too, right? And that what He was doing then actually led to what He's doing now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, it's not like that was just wasted energy. My mother always said that. My mother yeah. said, no, no. She says, I believe you did the very best you could do to become a Christian. You just didn't know what it was. Yes, yeah. And later you figured it out. Right. But yeah, she always said we. I prayed and we prayed and and you were you knew what was going on. Right. I said, Mom, I don't remember anything except the baptism and playing in the water with my sister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Morton, Texas didn't have a swimming pool or anything. Right. That was as close as there was. Yeah, yeah. And that was the only memory I have. So it was hard for me to even go back and say. Yeah, that was it. Cause, Cause you just didn't remember. I just it. really remember what people told me about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I want to say too that I, there's probably I believe that there are probably several people that are listening to the podcast who they you know walked an aisle or made a decision whenever they were younger, um, but they didn't. And at the time, they were doing the best they could do, right? But they didn't really understand in that moment what what. Uh, what it meant to to claim Jesus as Lord, right? To which we use Lord, the word Lord. We're saying I'm, all of my life is is under your authority. I'm giving my whole life mm-hmm. to you. That's what it means to call him Lord. Um, and, and they don't, they didn't really understand that when they were younger. Um, and now they kind of have the same experience that you did, where they're like, no, 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 I, I, you know, I became a Christian, you know, when I was younger. 
But um, but if they're but there's a disconnect because if they look at their lives, you know, Jesus, their faith, you know, Christianity is just kind of something that they want to. It's like a garnish that they put on the side of yeah. the dish, or it's yeah. a, you know what I mean? It's, it's like a, icing on top of the cake, but it's not what their life is founded or, on. Or it's what your family does. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's just a routine. It's just, you just do it. It's yeah. more of, I'm a Christian because my family was a Christian, not because I chose. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so at some point I had to choose. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Once you surrendered your heart and your life to Christ... When you were a freshman in high school, what do you believe? What, looking back, like what were the differences in the way that you lived your life, thought about faith, thought about Jesus before and after that experience? Good question. I think that first of all, I was at peace. Right. I mean that. that you was didn't so, have peace up to that. Like I there was dreams and everything. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Okay. I, I was at peace. I didn't feel the need every sermon to rededicate my life. I see. It was just like I had assurance and I had peace. So that was really important. I think not a lot of other changes at that moment in time because I was already super involved in church. Sure, right. I was already, you know, doing Bible drill and memorizing script. I was doing the things that you're supposed to do. Right. So there wasn't a lot of outward change until probably I got to college Uh and went to tech. And at First Baptist Church Lubbock, got involved in a discipleship group. Yeah, yeah. And really began to feel what it meant to have God in your life. Yes. Praying and studying and, and, and really trying to follow what, take, follow his lead. Yeah. And do what we needed to do. And that's when I really began to feel like, oh, this is what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. And again, for me, I think it was sometimes hard to realize that I needed more. Right. Because I just kind of did what my family did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and you know, one thing, and this sounds so cliche whenever I say it, I know it does, but... But it's true. When you read scripture over and over again, you see, you see, um, you see God. the The Bible over and over describes, you know, this relationship that we get to have with God. This relationship through Christ Jesus that we get to have, and and so uh, so when we say when I say that that sometimes there are people who they know about Jesus, right, but they don't really have a relationship with Jesus, you know. Um, they're not surrendered to him. They're not, they're not seeking after him. They're not, they're not trying, they don't want, you know, they don't want to just engage with Christ, you know, all the time, you know, um, and that's what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is that we have a relationship with Mm -hmm. almighty God because of Jesus. And, and, uh, and so, so all these things that you described, right? Like, like reading your Bible and, and uh, being in a discipleship group and this, this feeling of connection to God, Right. That's that's what it means to be a Christian. A relationship has begun in your heart. And so it's not these things that we are doing. You know, it's this person that we are knowing. Yes. And uh, and I think that's a pretty a pretty big distinction. And I think there are people listen to the podcast, probably people who go to our church, probably people who in all churches. Right. Who they know about Jesus and they're doing all the things like you were. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a relationship with Jesus, you know? Exactly. I mean, we, I could check all the boxes. Right. You know, those Sunday school envelopes. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you get a little score at the end, like a yeah, grade. Yeah. yeah. They, they they had it posted in yeah. the Sunday school class and would have parties and yeah, you got yeah. more stuff. If uh-huh. you, but anyway, I did all that. But, but it took... I think it took some of just maturity on my part, not right. necessarily even spiritual maturity, but mm-hmm. like when I got to college and I began to really focus on what do I want with my life, where yes. do I want to go, what do I want to do, and I knew I wanted to know God better. Yeah, right. Because I, He just was there, but I wanted closer. Yeah, and that's why I got into the discipleship group. And I, but it took me getting to a certain level of just understanding. Yes me mm-hmm. to know that's what I wanted. 
Yeah, there's a, you know, w- when I was in seminary, we, we uh, I took several classes where we talked about this concept of faith development. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of work that's been done by, you know, uh, really, you know, famous uh, and intelligent uh, psychiatrists, psychologists on cognitive development. So how our brains develop over the course of our lives. And, and uh, but, but then there's been some work done, you know, in the latter part of the 20th century where people have talked about cognitive development. And then what does that mean for the development of our faith? And so there's a, there's a process of faith development that goes on in people's in people's hearts too. And, and, um, you know, a child who's really, uh, concrete, you know, they have trouble with abstract concepts. The world tends to revolve around them, right? That that's, I mean, children that they see the world, uh, they see themselves at the center of their universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way God made them. That's how, you know, uh, so, so for them, you know, uh, understanding some of these things that we talk about and some of these things that of what it means to have faith, it's really tough. You know, it, it's uh, uh, it's much easier for a, a, a child to be, you know, what we might later call legalistic, right? Or or to focus on all the things that you're supposed to do, like checking the little boxes, because that's how kids are. They're very concrete. And if mm-hmm. you if you want for a bunch of kindergartners to do the stuff that they're supposed to do every day, you put stars on a chart, yes. right? Because that's who they are. And uh, it's only like later on in your life as you kind of grow and develop that you can kind of see... Uh, see the more, more of those abstract concepts and get into that. So the, it's all, that's all true of our faith too. And, uh, and kind of as we grow, we're, you know, and we develop, we're more able to understand what it really means um, to have that, uh, that closeness with God, to what it means to lay our lives down before him and, and have a relationship with him. That's, that's a, that's a little, now I, having said that I was six years old when I became a Christian and I understood clearly at that moment that, uh, complete. So I remember it to this day. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't know I, I, what exactly I was doing. I've surrendered my life to Christ. My life belonged to Him at that point. Like I, I knew, you know, I, I understood it more fully as I got older. But I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. at that moment, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's some people that that happens for, you know. But but there are other folks who the Lord's moving in their heart and 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 God's speaking to them, and they make they're 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 doing the best they can in that moment. My daughter is one of them, Sadie. You know. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, she made a, a decision when she was like five or six, she prayed a, a prayer, you know, but then when she was at Fields of Faith that, you know, a couple years ago, that's when she was like, no, I, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I understand what this means now. And uh, anyway, so I think there's some people who kind of talk themselves out of becoming a Christian because they think they already are. Mm-hmm. I agree with that totally. Yeah. I, and I that was my struggle. Mm-hmm. It's like I had to quit trying to defend where I thought I was yes and just accept it yeah. and then I could change then I could change it yeah yeah that's good so a couple a couple of things Nancy and let's just kind of unpack this for folks so so because there may be somebody out there who's like well how do I know if that's me <laughs> you know if I'm looking at my life like how do I know you know uh, if uh, if if I haven't really made that you know commitment and uh, and so one of the things that you mentioned that I think is really good is that is there was a lack of peace like all of that spiritual activity that religious activity had not brought peace to your heart yes. And so, so that's one thing, right? If you, if you, if you're, if you're, if you don't have peace, then, then there's a, there's a possibility that you've never really surrendered your life to Christ, that you don't have a relationship with Christ. Is that fair? I think that's exactly right. That's, that was the number one thing for me, I think. And doubt. Yeah. I had lots of of doubt. doubt. I would look at, you know, I'd listen to the preacher and then I'd go home and say, really? Mm-hmm. And I would, and I had doubt. So I had a hard time believing. Yes. Until after. Yeah. Yeah. I made that final step. Right. Yeah. And it, it's not like you never have doubts again, but it's, it's a different kind of, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of thing. So yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, uh, maybe some other things, uh, maybe one indicator might be if, uh, if your if faith and your you know your religion you know if that's kind of like one of the things that you do in your life 
You, you understand? Mm-hmm. Like if it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the things on your list, that possibly could be an indicator that you've not that you've not really ever surrendered your life to Christ and you don't have a relationship mm-hmm. with him. Do you, do you think that's a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what I said about it's what my family did. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, every time the doors were open, we mm-hmm. were at church. Yeah. So you didn't think about not doing it. Sure. You just did it. But it was kind of on the list of the things that you do. Yeah. I, you know, I I play the piano, I do this thing for school, and I go to church. This mm-hmm. is who I am, yeah. right? So... Uh, uh, so, so a, a person who kind of finds himself in that situation where, where, you know, their faith their, or, or their, their religious expression is just kind of one of the things they do. That's a person maybe who's never really, because, because when we surrender our heart and our life to Christ, then that relationship with Christ becomes the absolute foundation for everything that we are. Right. 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 I had a real hard time understanding when people would say, you put God first, then family, then, right, right. Yeah. and I'm going, well. I guess I do that, but they kind of are equal, aren't they? Yeah, I remember yes. thinking that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and and really, you know, if uh, if 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 it is how Jesus kind of described it in the Gospels, it's not like it's like you put God first. It's like He's the only He is the list. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> so, right. So everything else kind of flows out of that, but He's the list. You know. So yeah. Uh, and I, uh, the the last thing that I would want to just maybe. Uh, um, advise somebody on like if you're wondering have i ever really ever surrendered my heart and life to Christ? Am, am i really a christian you know um the, the 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 last thing that i would say is you know do do you do you have this desire are you compelled to seek out G- jesus to spend time with him like like if 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 we go throughout our days and we don't really think about interacting with god at all you know uh, we're, we're, we don't really have a desire to, you know, open the scriptures. We don't really have a desire to pray. We don't really have a desire to, you know, to spend time in God's presence. You know, uh, if if that desire is not really there, then maybe, you yeah. know, maybe that's an indicator too. Mm-hmm. I agree with that too. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure we unpack that a little bit because it, you know, sometimes we can talk about this stuff and what, like we've made this decision, like we've thought through all this stuff, but when we just kind of talk about it, maybe somebody listening is like, wait a minute, wait, <laughs> I, I need to know more about that because <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with that too. So thank you for unpacking that a little okay. bit with me. That's good. Okay. So now let's talk about uh, maybe some times in your life where you felt like, because this has been a journey in your relationship with the Lord. So where, when are some moments in your life when you really felt like you were being stretched, when you really felt like you were growing, um, where God was really working in you and on you? Talk, talk about a, a time or two where that was going on. Sure. Um, and I mentioned the discipleship group, and that yes. was definitely a time. Big deal. And at that same two or three years, I was a... Um, Summer missionary, go oh, now, yeah. in Belgium for awesome. the summer with yeah. the team. Uh-huh. And God really worked. One of the things he did was you kind of sometimes, when you get involved in a discipleship group, or or I do anyway, I did at the time, you, you sort of begin to put your leader on a pedestal. Mm, yeah. And so it was really interesting because there were two or three of us. Like there was a girl from Baylor and a guy from another college where we were all in discipleship groups. We were all on the team. And we all thought our guy was the best. Yeah. When yeah. I read, I'm teaching First Corinthians in the group, and you read about the church in Corinth and how they were arguing over right. Peter or Paul or uh, Apollos. That was kind of what our team did a little bit of. Yeah. But we were able to begin to understand that. Hmm. Maybe we've got a little too much pride, and we have to learn to listen to everybody and right. what what we can learn from lots of people. Yeah, yeah. And and so that experience was really good for me mm-hmm. because it helped open me up to paying attention to other leaders and yeah. spiritual leaders. And when I got back to tech, then you know you go from the high to the low. Right. I got back to tech and got back in school. And I really just bottomed out because mm. what I began to do was look around and I saw all the needy people around me. And it was like, man, what am I doing at school studying? I should be out helping yeah, yeah, and serving like I did in the summer. And how do I deal with this? 
and God, the BSU at the at the time had a female assistant director, uh-huh. and she and I started meeting. So I was in the discipleship group, but then I started meeting one on one on one with her, and we really studied a little little tiny skinny book about the Exodus. Yeah. And what the Israelites went through, and how, and comparing it to Christian yes. growth, uh-huh. and that was an amazing time of growth for me because it helped me begin to put all these feelings into context, right? And understand that this was God teaching me not just again the discipleship group was what's on one level. This was on a much more intense personal level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was that was a really good time. And then and 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 another time is this my class I'm teaching. Uh-huh. I would have told you First Corinthians, why are we studying this? I chose it. Yeah. No, actually God chose it. He he I said those words out and they came out of my mouth when May Joel and I were talking about what to teach and it was like Ugh. I can't believe I said that <laughs> because there's a lot about Paul that can be very controversial and that's uh-huh. a controversial book. Yeah. But I've learned so much over the last course of teaching Corinthians. I have a whole different perspective on the church and what mm-hmm. was going on in the church. And I can see looking back how that's repeated itself over and over in, at times in churches oh, I've been yeah. involved with and groups and and it's been amazing. And yeah. I just, I look back and say, wow, this is the most amazing book in the Bible. Yeah, it's incredible how, um, well, you know, we talk about the Bible and we talk about how uh, it's a living document. So like we, it's, it speaks to us in a situation today. First Corinthians is definitely one of those books that's like that because, because you're right, like every church I've ever been in, you know, I, when I'm reading First Corinthians, I recognize all these all these aspects of of you know of the churches that I've I, I've been in. And First Corinthians was written to a very specific cultural uh, situation. It was written to a very specific group of people, and and still there's all these applications that we that we get still from it two thousand years later. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I man, I totally I totally uh, agree with that. So so just studying that book has been a big Thing for you it has yeah. been it's I, I i like paul a lot better than i ever <laughs> did <laughs> yeah paul gets a bad rap i think you know he really does he so, does because <laughs> we want to read him as 20th century people like we and and we don't really put him into the time that into the context yeah yeah and when you read that book in the context of this what's going on in corinthians but even as you read it almost like literature you'd read a book of What's the context of this yes. sentence based on everything else in the chapter? Right. It's like amazing yeah. that I'd never thought of it that way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a real stretch for me. Mm-hmm. And my my ladies who are in the class are just so sweet because they laugh and they don't tell me, God, you're just now getting it. <laughs> I listen. I'm a pastor, and I have that experience all the time. You know, uh, the, I'll read something; it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. I'm like, I can't believe I haven't ever seen that before. I'm sure other people have, you know, have, have saw that a long time ago. You know, but but uh, but man, yeah, I hear you. That I, I feel this, I feel the same way. I and, and th- that book, you know, P- Paul is, you know, he's pretty upset when mm-hmm. he's writing it. And uh, and he's very concerned about these people that he cares deeply about, and, and he's just kind of letting them have it with both barrels, you know. He is. And uh, and man, but man, the so much of what he that whole t- chapters twelve and thirteen, first first Corinthians for me were just that was like, and 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 I think it's important to talk about them because when I asked you to talk about some times where you felt like you were really growing in your faith. Every single thing that you mentioned, what like the first thing you talked about was a discipleship group that you were in. So you're connected with this group of people and you're studying the Bible together. The next thing was a mentor, right? And then and then the last thing is you're talking about a Bible study group that you're leading. So a group of women who are studying the Bible together. Uh-huh. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, or Paul, he's mad at them because they all want to think that their gift is the best gift and that, you know, yes. that what that that what their spiritual gift is the most important one and that there's some gifts that are better than others. He's mad at him for all that. And he goes into chapter 12 and he's just like, look, 
you know, we're all, there's this, we're all part of the same body. Like we're the, the, we are the body of Christ. And the only way there's life is when we're connected to the body. And every part of the body has its own function. And they're all important. If you take one of them away, then the whole body suffers. You know, so he goes on this long tirade about that because he wants them to understand that we're all connected. And, uh, and I think it's so important for people to hear, especially in our time right now. It's so important for people to hear that our life in Christ, we only realize our life in Christ when we are in community with other believers. That is the only way. Mm -hmm. So we will never be who Christ, uh, uh, who we are to be in Christ, who we were created to be by God. We will never be that apart from the body of Christ. And I think there's a lot of folks in our time that that want to, they want to be spiritual. You know what I mean, and they think that they can that they can achieve that, you know, without being a part of a local church, or you know what I'm saying? Yes. And yes. or without being connected to a group of believers who, where there's accountability and you're saying the Bible together. You know, they 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 don't think they need that. Yes. And what I would say is, if you read your Bible, you see over and over again that it is an absolutely vital component of it. You it, know, it's the only way. Yeah. So Paul, he goes through all that stuff in chapter one. We're the body of Christ. And then he just kind of launches into the love chapter, right? Where he's, where he talks about, he gives this beautiful, like, po- I mean, it's one of, really, just from a literary standpoint, one of the most beautiful writings that you'll ever read. You know, mm-hmm. it's right up there to me. It's right up there with Shakespeare or anything else. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he describes love. And my favorite thing about it is because he just talked about being together in community. And he's like, look, you can... All these things that we've been talking about, you can speak with the tongues of angels if you want. You can have faith that moves mountains if you want. All these incredible things. If you don't have love, it is worthless. And and his and he's telling them, as long as you're fighting and you don't love each other, yeah, you might as well give it in. That's right. Because none of you have the greatest gift. That's right. Yeah. Because that is love. Uh-huh. And, and it's just mind-blowing to think, man, do I treat the people at our church like that? Yeah, right. And that list, the way, when he describes love, it is challenging. I mean, 14, 14 characteristics. We went through them last night. Yeah. And every one of us went, mm. <laughs> I probably have a problem with that one. Because mm. when you really look at it, yeah, it, they're tough. Oh man, they are not. They're stuff you have to practice. Oh yeah, you can't just assume that I can love like that, right? Because we're human and we can't. Mm-hmm. So we have to work at it. Yeah, and you know, the 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 more time we spend, you know, really being shaped and formed by the Holy Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit empowers us to do those things. And, and that's kind of what he was talking about. He, he's like, you guys are focusing on all the wrong stuff. Yeah. You, you, you want the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can do these things over here that you think are cool. But what I'm telling you is you'll know when you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit when you love like this. Yes. And, uh, and, and to me, that was just like, because it, it, it's also human nature to look at the, like, the, the superficial exterior uh, you know, things uh, that are related to faith or whatever, and to think of those things as things that really matter, you know? Yes. For, as a pastor, people, you know, I, I if I'm not careful, I can think that this, you know, 30-minute sermon that I deliver on a Sunday morning, like that's, that's this is the apex of who I am and what I'm supposed to be as part of the body of Christ. Boy, not when you read, not when you read, you know, First Corinthians 13. It, you know, it doesn't matter what I say in there. If, if I don't have love, yes, you know, and that's the most important thing. And so anyway, man, that's, and, and that's good for all of us to remember, you know, um, we can't, we can't be who we're supposed to be in Christ Jesus without being connected to the body of Christ. And, and the more the Holy Spirit is at work in us, the more we will exhibit love. Yes. So man, that's some good stuff. Anything else? Any other any other moments when you really felt like you were being challenged or stretched? Any any maybe periods that you walked through where you were like, I really have to depend on God to navigate all of this. Well, you know, um, my family tells everybody that will hear that I am. Um, I always take the scenic route. 
I am challenged in that I get lost. The very first time I got lost in my life, I was 18 months old or so right. in downtown Lubbock wow. when we lived in Smyre. And a policeman found me, and my parents found me at the police station. Oh, my gosh. Eating an I bet ice they cream. they were terrified. They were terrified. I, ha- my, I have no memory. Uh, but mother said that I, she said, where have you, we were so worried. And I said, I wasn't lost. I was right here. <laughs> <laughs> that concreteness. Yeah, yeah. But um, I got lost at Glorietta in the woods. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I was about eight then, and uh-huh. I was lost in the woods. I knew enough, they said, that you were supposed to stand still, be very yes. still. Yeah. And so I stayed for a while, and I prayed, uh-huh. and I just kind of waited for somebody to come find me and nobody came to find me until finally I thought if I can walk over there where it looked like the trees were a little thinner uh-huh. maybe I can see something yes. and I saw the chapel oh yeah and so I thought if I can go towards that I'll find that bridge and I find that bridge I can get back because my parents always stayed in a cabin right up where for the families and I started walking that way but I was not feeling very, I was thinking, I should go back to that, I should go back. And all of a sudden, I saw this woman walking towards me. And she came up to me and she said, are you Nancy? And I thought, she knows my name. (laughs) How do you know my name? And I said, yes. And she said, you're the little girl who's lost. And I said, yes. And she said, well, do you know how to get back? I said, no. I said, I think if I can find that bridge, Uh I can get back. And she said, well, I can show you the bridge. And so we walked together to the bridge, and I was just, I can remember just feeling totally at ease. And I was a really shy kid. Right. Totally at ease with this lady. And we walked, and we talked, and I can't remember what we talked about. Uh But we found the bridge, and then she said, okay, now where do we go? And so I started showing her how to, and she walked with me, and we got back to where all these people were searching for yeah. this little lost girl. <laughs> and my mom again, where have you been? We've yeah, been yeah. so worried. And, and hugs. And, and she said, I said, oh, this nice lady walked me home. And we looked around and she was not there. Wow. And I truly believe she was an angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a time when I think God was telling me, I'm here. Right, right. I'm going to take care of you. Even I, even when you're even, even when you're out point, in the middle of the the woods, even when it even when everything around you looks dark and scary and you don't know which way to go, I'm I'm there even then. Yeah, yeah. And and even when I wasn't hadn't made that final step of becoming a Christian, right, right. He was giving me very definite proof that he was taking care of me. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell other times my whole journey. It's kind of been like this. I never walk a straight path. <laughs> and there was a time I was on an airplane uh-huh. that, that took off and in Washington, D.C. and turned right around and landed because the wheels wouldn't go up and the airplane wasn't, the motor engines weren't going. Yeah. I mean, we just almost crashed. Yeah. And again, what I felt, because they made us get in the position, the crashed wow. position, and I can remember being very calm. Because I knew God was there, and the only thing I was praying about was take care of my kids. Yeah, right. And because I knew where I was headed. Yeah, right. And God was showing me again, and it was like, well, I'm not done with you yet, so you're still here and got something to do. Yeah. Then I had breast cancer. Yeah. And when I had cancer, I walked through that. I mean, I never once doubted that God was going to heal me. Right. And that was 12 years ago, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just He just gave me a real sense of, I'm not done with you yet. Right. So I've had these instances where I think God really was, I mean, it, we live in a broken world and things happen. Yeah. And, but God was with me every single time that, yeah. I think when AJ was born, the doctor, I, I almost died. If we, if I had been pregnant and giving birth to AJ, even 20 years earlier, AJ and I would have died. Right. Because he got stuck. And then when they did the cesarean, he grabbed the 
artery towards my fem- femoral artery. Yeah, yeah. And I almost I would have bled to death, right. but I had good doctors and everything worked out. I just God just has taken care of me. He's given me such vivid moments of I'm here, I'm with you. Yeah. Stay in, we're together. And I and it's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do next? Because it's just like I'm not done with you. You've got you still got something to do. Right, right. To accomplish on this earth. Mm-hmm. And, and all of those have, have built a real sense of faith. When I married Ed, one of the things that attracted to me was his faith. He right. just believed. Mm-hmm. He just had strong faith and believed and didn't, didn't question things. And I'm going, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get that. But I think God has given me very concrete moments in time. Yeah so that it builds my faith mm-hmm. and reminds me I'm here for a purpose. Yeah. I'm not here just to rest on my laurels. Mm-hmm. And I think that's easy at some point in time as we grow older, more mature, it gets easy to think, okay, yeah, I can retire. I'm through. Yeah. I'm done. But I know I'm not because... He's obviously got a purpose for me to still be here. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, the 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 children of Israel they they were called Ebenezer's. You know, they would they would they would the Lord you know would do something. You know, uh, he would be with them. You know, when they're in the wilderness and when they're going through a difficult time, so they would stop and build an altar. You know, and um, a monument. You know, so they could look back on all these places. And, and Abraham did that too. He would every every time he, mm-hmm. you know, he had this experience with the Lord. He would build an altar so that as he was walking around, he would he would he would come back on one of those, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember. I remember when I built this, and God did this, and God did that." And um, and that's kind of what our lives are like. You know, you're you're talking, you're looking back over all these experiences, and you're just kind of like, just rehashing them real quickly, like just like you know, summarizing. Here's all these times where I look back on them and in that moment, even though I was afraid, even though that it seemed, I didn't know what was going to happen, right? I had peace. I knew God was with me. And, and so now when I look back on them, what, what I see clearly is the hand of God, you know, his presence with me, even in those moments. Yeah. I have this picture of a butterfly, you know, a bee goes from flower to flower, right? Or a honey, a hummingbird, zip, zip, zip. Uh-huh. But a butterfly lands and then it, kind of meanders and flies around and then but it always finds the next flower uh-huh. then it uh, finds the next flower yeah and i think that's kind of my life that i've all, god is directing me but I, at sometimes i'm just feeling like i'm meandering yeah but then there's the next flower right. <laughs> and it's it's like that's amazing yeah, god yeah, how do you yeah. do that that's awesome that's a that's a really neat <laughs> description i love that so, but you know, for the for folks out there, maybe who they maybe they find themselves right now in a moment where, you know, they feel like they're lost in the woods. You uh-huh. know, uh, they 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 they're out in the middle. They don't recognize any place that they are, and they feel really alone. And it's it's scary out mm-hmm. there. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from your experience, what do you say to a person who feels who feels like that right now? Man, I I'm I'm right there. I've mm-hmm. I've felt that way so many times. And I think the most important thing without trying to sound like I'm just giving platitudes. Right, yeah. Is that God is there. Mm-hmm. He's you may not see him and you may not feel him and you may think he's far away, but he's there. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is take one step. Right. You know, and then you take another step. Yeah. And at some point you'll look back and you'll see God has been with you. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a funny song. When I was going through cancer, there's a song that a country western artist sang that said something about if you if you walk through hell fast enough, you maybe can get out before the devil even knows your name. <laughs> but that was not like, true. Yeah. That but it was like one of my it was the good rhythm and stuff yeah, and I'd yeah. get ready to go because it helped, even though everything it said wasn't true, it reminded me yeah. 
that keep as moving. I'm walking, keep moving, and God is right there with me, That's moving, right. yeah. just like in Psalms 23. Mm-hmm. He is with me in the darkest time. Yeah. And and I can look back now and know that he was there. Yeah. At those times when I was walking it, I just had to claim that he was there sometimes. Right. Yeah. Because I knew he was, mm-hmm. even if I didn't have any tangible evidence. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's good because I know there are folks listening that's where, you know, that's where they are. You know, I feel everything feels scary and everything feels foreign and uh, not sure how they ended up where they are and um and so but but just that that rem- remembering that the Lord God is near you. You know, even in those moments he's he is he's right there with you even in those moments. Mm-hmm. And um and 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 he, he loves you, he cares about you and and he's with you. That that's a, that's a that is a comfort, you know. And I can I'm the same way. Like I can look back on those kinds of moments in my life. And even at the time when I would say, gosh, you know, at the time I thought, where is God? You know, but when I look back on it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, he was right there. You know, like I uh, I can see his hand guiding and, and protecting and doing all these other things. And so um, so I think that's a that's a that is a good word for our folks who might be listening who are in that situation. So good stuff. Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. Hey, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. And I, uh, uh, I know it was encouraging, encouraging to me to get to hang out with you and talk to you and hear some of your story. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, uh, and and all you folks out there listening, I know I know uh, that there were there were some some things that Nancy shared that were encouraging to you as well. And if if anybody's out there and you need prayer, in the description of this episode, there's a link to our prayer request line for for our church and. Um, we take that stuff seriously. So if, if, uh, if you were listening to this and you, and you were like, wow, I feel like that. And I just need someone to pray for me. Well, click on that link and fill that prayer request out and let us pray for you. Let it, uh, let us minister to you however we can. We really do want to do that. And, uh, and if there's anybody out there who, who is like, man, I don't know if I'm a Christian, you know, I, uh, I really am struggling with that. Look, click on that prayer request uh, uh, link and, and share that. And, and believe me, we will, we'll reach out to you. Uh, if, if you give us your contact, I'll, I will reach out to you. We'll, we'll try to, uh, we'll try to work th- through that with you because we really want for you to n- have a relationship with Christ to be surrendered to Christ. We really want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy and I both know that's the most important yes. decision that you'll ever make. Yes. So, um, but anyway, uh, I, I hope you, I hope you were encouraged today. I hope, uh, I hope, uh, I hope this uh, conversation really, uh, motivated you, inspired you in some way. Uh, we'll be back next week with another amazing, fascinating, interesting guest, although probably not quite as amazing or interesting as Nancy, but another fascinating, interesting, amazing guest. So, uh, make sure you join us next week and until then we'll see you around town. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.